From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Wednesday the 19th of October 2022. Good afternoon. Today we're going to be talking about the battle for Kherson. We'll also be discussing three of today's other important stories and discussing how Liz Truss could fall. But first, the battle for Kherson. In the very near future, the battle for Kherson will begin. That's what the Russian-installed deputy administrator of the Kherson region posted on Telegram late yesterday. The region in the south of Ukraine is currently largely controlled by Russian forces, but a Ukrainian counteroffensive has been making progress on the ground in recent weeks, a trend also seen in other parts of the country. Despite not having total control of the region, Kherson is one of four regions that Russia claims to have annexed following referendums condemned by Ukraine and its allies as illegitimate and a sham. In a further sign that the battle for Kherson really is imminent, the region's Russian-installed leader announced plans to evacuate some 50 to 60,000 people over the next six days in order to keep people safe and allow the military to act resolutely. Governor Vladimir Saldo said that 5,000 people have already left Kherson in the past two days. A senior Ukrainian official, the head of the Ukrainian president's office, accused Russia of propaganda by trying to scare the people of Kherson with fake newsletters about the shelling of the city by our army, and also arranging a propaganda show with evacuation. The new commander of Russia's forces in Ukraine, who was appointed earlier this month, acknowledged in his first televised interview yesterday that the situation in the area of the special military operation, Russia's euphemism for its invasion of Ukraine, can be described as tense. The enemy continually attempts to attack the positions of Russian troops, he added. Talking specifically about the city of Kherson, he said the situation was very difficult today. Kherson was the first major Ukrainian city to be captured by Russian troops in the early stages of the invasion. Its position on the Dnipro River and its proximity to the Black Sea and the Crimean Peninsula makes it a strategically important city. Northeast from the city, further up the river, the Ukrainian military has regained territory and pushed as much as 30 kilometers south along the river in recent weeks. Meanwhile, Ukrainian forces have also gained ground to the northwest of the city. The tense situation described by the Russian commander that we mentioned earlier is not just limited to the Kherson region. He named the areas of Kupiansk and Lyman in the east and the Molyarkiv Krivi rear front. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. On Sunday night, it was reported that a group of peaceful pro-democracy protesters who were demonstrating outside the Chinese consulate in Manchester were met with violence by those working at the consulate. Footage recorded on a mobile phone appears to show the Chinese consul general himself among a group leaving the gates of the consulate to tear down anti-Beijing protest signs, before then dragging one of the protesters within the grounds of the consulate and beating him. The story has caused outrage, with MPs raising the issue in the House of Commons. Jesse Norman, a minister for the Foreign Office, has said that the ambassador's deputy had been summoned to explain the incident. 
Conservative MP Alicia Kearns has called on the government to ensure the Chinese diplomats involved in the violence are prosecuted, or if this is not possible, then expelled. She has asked for this to happen within the week. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. French cement giant Lafarge has pleaded guilty in the US to providing support to the Islamic State and other terrorist groups. The company, which is the world's largest cement manufacturer, has agreed to pay nearly $780 million in fines and forfeitures to the US government for paying millions of dollars to IS and the Al-Nusra Front in order to keep a factory running in war-torn Syria. From 2012 to 2014, the company's Syrian subsidiary paid almost $6 million to the two terror groups to ensure the protection of staff and the continuation of operations. The US Justice Department said the payments helped the local subsidiary make roughly $70 million in additional revenue. Prosecutors said it was the first time a company has ever pleaded guilty in the US to aiding terrorists. The US Deputy Attorney General said business with terrorists cannot be business as usual, and that Lafarge's actions reflected corporate crime that has reached a new low and a very dark place. This week we've made another video on the protests in Iran. You can find this in the description below. In essence, the protests have taken place in response to the death of Marza Amini, who was arrested by Iran's infamous morality police, and then died in suspicious circumstances, all because she was wearing an improper hijab. The protests in response are still ongoing. In a further development though, an Iranian climber, El Naz Rakabi, competed in Seoul, South Korea, in the IFSC Asian Championship, and she was spotted not wearing a hijab while competing. This breaks the Iranian government's interpretation of Sharia law. Rakabi claims it had fallen off inadvertently, but many back in Iran have described her as a heroine, and upon her return to Tehran, she was greeted by large crowds cheering for her. After meeting the crowd, Iranian state media then posted an interview with her, in which she reiterated that she had only inadvertently not worn it. This was probably an attempt by the Iranian regime to stop the story being used by protesters. That's all we have time for on YouTube, but if you want to see our discussion of how Liz Truss could be removed, then watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing over on Nebula. Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get a more extensive daily briefing every day, you'll want to sign up. And there's good news. Our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers some of the best documentaries, is offering a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the best documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream and then more TLDR on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than $15 a year and support the channel.